about the week, no show. What's happening in our streets, no show. They'll help you understand, no show, no show. Welcome to the No Show. My name's Andrea Edwards. My name's Tim Wade. And my name is Joe Augustine. Uh, welcome to a show that's trying to do this for the world, to get you more informed, to have you have broader opinions, and uh, maybe, just maybe, we can help you save the world as well. Uh, we also try to have a really diverse set of points of view on the show. Uh, but to tell you more about why we do this show, here is the person who has created the show. So, Andrea, tell us about your yeah. reason for doing this. What makes you come back every few months? I, I just know that we're going through a time for humanity where we have to be paying attention to the information that matters and stop being distracted by shiny things. And there's loads of shiny things to distract us, but we, we've got to stay focused. And one of the things that I'm incredibly aware of is how hard it is to pay attention to the news, especially right now. It's like every week there's more and more news shocks, whether it's climate, political, whatever's going on, right, the rise of fascism in Europe, which we're going to talk about later. And it's hard, you know, it's hard and it's easy to run away and put our fingers in our ears and it's pretending that nothing's happening. But when we do that, the bad actors are pushing us towards, you know, nationalism, separation, protectionism, and, and none of us were going to win. None of us will win at the end with, with this sort of approach. So we have to come together, we have to face it, we have to own it, we have to accept what is happening and then we have to ask ourselves how can we bring everyone together? Because if we're not together, we're not going to be able to overcome. We, we are in a decade of enormous challenge and mm. we need to get strong and we need to be ready for that. Obviously protect ourselves when we have to, but, you know, so that's that's why I'm doing it. it I just think it's really important. And um, I spend a lot of time, you know, putting my weekend reads together and doing all that sort of stuff just because I really believe it's important to pay attention to the information that matters. So yeah. that's why we're doing it. And I appreciate I you guys coming way. in and supporting it. Yeah. Well, you know, because because of what what you believe and all that, I actually I insisted that my doctors release me in time for this. Uh, <laughs> it caused all kinds of trouble at the hospital. No one's been ever released from hospital before twelve o'clock uh, in their entire history. Uh, I was because I had to do this show. Oh, that's so, cool. uh, as as part of this, we're talking uh, about a mental hospital, aren't we? Yes, as part of this process, we also try to have this, this, this diverse uh, set of voices on the show. So, Andrea, would you like to introduce our fourth voice today? Our fourth voice today is Kerry Phipps. Hello, Kerry. Hi. <laughs> Great to be here. <laughs> now, I've, I've been trying to convince Kerry to come and join us for a while, and she kept saying no, because she uh, I don't know why. You can tell us why. But um, <laughs> Kerry's the author of Do Talk to Strangers. Uh, she's also uh, an, a coach, an executive coach, and she... Uh, I, I did a program with her called Positive Intelligence, which I, which was fabulous, and I definitely recommend looking it up. But, Kerry, tell everyone tell everyone about you. Give us your story. In 30 <laughs> seconds or less. 30 yeah. seconds or less. Okay, I've actually had a pretty quiet year this year. I'm calling it my semi-sabbatical year, although I never announced that. I've had a couple of days blocked out midweek um, to do a lot of journaling, writing, reflecting, learning, and yeah, I've been doing the mental fitness, positive intelligence, mental fitness coaching. That's been like a key part of what I've done this year. And just calling this my year of meaningful conversations, doing my Connect with Confidence podcast, which Andrea's been on, probably should get the other guys on at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah, because the more open we are, the more authentic we are in terms of grappling with what's going on in our world and how can we contribute, how can we connect and work together. I'm just up for all those conversations. But have felt a little daunted about this because, you know, I don't follow all the news going on around the world. I get snippets. Um, 
and mostly in conversations. So, you know, when I'm talking to Andrea, my world is expanding. And that's the thing. When we connect with others, we can expand our world and start to see things from different perspectives. And I think that's really important. Um, and also to manage our own awareness and uh, how do we how do we respond positively. So, yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me, Andrea. Thanks for convincing me to turn up <laughs> during the conversation. I, was, I, I don't take no for an answer. Yeah, I'll mostly be listening today, though. I'm sure I'll mostly listen. But actually, that's that's really what you're about, Kerry. It's turning up and joining the conversation, isn't it? Yeah, and getting other people. Usually I'm the facilitator getting other people to talk. I'd rather See? be in the listening space. You're getting a taste of your own medicine. <laughs> uh, very nice. Oh, that's nice. what it nice. is. That's what you guys were plotting. Nice. That's all it is. We, we, had to, we had to come up with this whole show and run it for over a year just to get you here. Now we can <laughs> stop. <laughs> well, yeah, welcome, exactly. welcome. I feel seen. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're going to start off with, I don't even know where we start with this one, but Joe, I'm going to hand it over to you just to, just to give us a feel for what the hell is going on in the global economy. Well, how do you say the world is ending in five minutes? Um, <laughs> uh, it, it is a very, very tough time that we have ahead of us. Uh, I mean, uh, it, these are all, by the way, sins that we're paying for that were committed a long time ago. And uh, the, uh, the, the, the the penance that we should have done uh, should have been done a, a little bit earlier. Uh, so all around the world, uh, we've had a lot of uh, loose economic control. Uh, and it's kind of... It's gone. It's gone in special way. I mean, of course, uh, COVID was not exactly something that uh, that really helped us in in terms of normalcy. Uh, so COVID posed some very specific challenges, and what happened was a lot of uh, governments uh, rushed in, especially like the U.S. government, to try and save their economies by creating more cash, creating more money. Uh, that isn't something that happens for free. So one thing that I think uh, anybody who's been to school and, and, and studied a bit of economics, you always learn that uh, if you have more money chasing less goods, you're going to have this thing called inflation. And uh, when the U.S. did what it did, it did create a lot of money and therefore uh, was the starting block, I think, for the kind of inflation that we're seeing right now. Now, it's not that that shouldn't have been done at the time. Uh, I think it was completely necessary for that to happen. But what happened after that was a series of unfortunate events. Uh, not, you know, I mean, uh, we, we can't discount the fact that the that the war in Russia had a, quite a bit to do with it as well. So when you have uh, when you when you when you have a lot of money uh, chasing uh, a small number of things, and when that number of things decreases because of sanctions and stuff like that, you are going to have Inflation, and that's what we are facing right now. Now, the the thing is, the control of inflation and how to how to kind of like pull back from inflation uh, has almost always been interest rates. You try to the governments try to increase the cost um, of, of doing business, of living in general. Now, it, it seems like a draconian thing to do to try and increase the cost of living, but what it is trying to do is try to make people a little bit more. Uh, cautious about the way they, they they spend money, and so that it, it can slow down inflation. Uh, so, like in Singapore right now, we've had something that just just was announced uh, just at midnight last night: uh, new measures to to cool the housing market, for instance, uh, because we've had uh, recently a number of HDB flats, you know, public housing, sell for a million dollars, which is a crazy idea, uh, but it was happening because the price of flats and, and, and things were just going up so fast. People were just thinking, you know what? 
I'm just going to pay a million dollars because I don't think I can get this deal again. So that's the kind of thing that uh, that, that governments are trying to, to slow down. Uh, unfortunately, it is also very painful for the average person to deal with. So uh, like in, in the UK, uh, what they tried to do, what Liz uh, Trust tried to do was to introduce a budget that was going to be people-friendly and business-friendly. And so she introduced a number of things, which included um, tax cuts, permanent tax cuts for some of the wealthiest. Uh, and I think it, it, it was quite a large uh, sum, as in like it, it amounted to 1.5% of GDP. Uh, I mean, the, all, all the tax cuts. Um, and a quarter of those uh, were surprise cuts, as in like not previously discussed. Now, uh, the great thing about the UK is in their system of government, there is this office called the Office of Budget responsibility that has a look at things to make sure that everything is okay before it's uh, kind of unleashed on the on the general public. Um, the terrible thing is uh, Liz and her team decided not to even let them see it. So uh, it was released without the scrutiny uh, of this uh, budget of uh, the, the, the Office of Budget Responsibility. Um, and of course, the world recognized that the, the UK was in a kind of a, a problematic situation. The, 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 the British pound slipped 4% in a day. And to give you a sense of what, what, what that is in, in, in terms of what Forex is, uh, usually when you're, you're trading Forex and stuff like that, we're talking about usually less than a percentage point. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's quite a big move. Four, four points in a day to the lowest exchange rate it's ever had uh, with the US uh, is crazy. Um, and that forced the hand of the Bank of England to step in with measures as well, and they begin to buy back bonds and stuff. Uh, so it literally is one of those cases where uh, we have in the UK, the UK versus the UK, and we hope the UK is going to win. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an own goal. And uh, it's UK, what's UK is, United versus UK City. Yeah, some, something along those lines. Uh, so they've had uh, an interesting effect because while the rest of the world is trying to play this game of slowing down the economy, uh, which would have been the thing to do, um, what happened was the, the Bank of England had to, 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 to step in with some easing uh, as well just to, to try and, and stop the, the, the free fall of the, of the, of the UK, uh, the, the pound. Um, the impact of it was, was, was profound, as in like from thousands of mortgage products that were available the day before, it dropped down to hundreds, as in like in terms of what was available for people uh, in homes and businesses and all that, it just disappeared literally overnight. So it was drastic, something had to be done, and it has been done, but it's basically now created this problem in, in, in the world where there's this, this huge imbalance where um, the, the, the natural thing for the market was supposed to be just a descend, 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 but this big kind of reaction that the, the Bank of England had to put into it kind of switched what happened in the in, in the US markets for a bit. So they had a mini rally in the middle of what is the big bear, the bear market they have right now. Um, and it, it's causing all kinds of, of, of weird things to happen. Um, in Russia, I'm sorry I'm going through this in a very haphazard all around the world kind of thing. Uh, by the way, we are officially in a bear market. And what that basically means is that the market has dropped 20% of its value from its highest point. Um, that happened just recently. Uh, but of course, what's happened within the bear market is what you call a bull, a bull within a bear market, which is where you have a, a rise of 20%, but it's smaller than the 20% drop down. Uh, we are not likely to come out of that. Many of the pundits are, are, are looking at the, the worst bear market they have seen in their lifetimes. So we don't know exactly what that looks like yet.
an interesting story out of Russia is about how their economy uh, might die by winter. This is a, an article by Fortune magazine. And the, the thing about Russia has been all this time they had these sanctions, which were arguably doing some some damage, uh, but at the same time, not enough damage because everyday life in Russia st still seemed to, to, to go on. People were going about their stuff, going to cafes and doing things like that. Uh, but what happened is you know, Putin now doubles down on his, uh, on his, on his war effort and his uh, announced conscription, which basically is, first of all, one way to get rid of all the guys in the room. Uh, the, the biggest Google search term, by the way, uh, in Russia was how to break arm uh, to, to avoid conscription, presumably. Um, so what, what happened was uh, right now is the, the, the economy is really going to get uh, participants taken out of it because if you take out 300,000 men, uh, and, and I guess presumably the rest of the the, the market's going to be affected by that as well. There, there is a lot less going around in terms of people just spending money and doing things and what have you. So that that could be, as they said, the death of the Russian economy by winter. Uh, so as I said earlier, the world is kind of ending economically uh, just for a while. I mean, it's not going to be a permanent end. It's always going to be a, a chapter. So we are heading into recession. There's very little doubt about recession. And Biden is now the guy who is going to be meeting with his economic team uh, amidst all of this stuff. Um, and, you know, th there's never been a better time for Biden. And I, and I know this is one of those weird things to hear right now. But what we do need at this time is an elder statesman who has seen the economy come and go who has seen what you need to do to, 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 to bring an economy back. You need, you need someone who's actually been there, seeing the inflation of the 70s, uh, seeing the, 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 the financial crises that have come uh, before, and seeing what needs to be done. So in terms of someone who knows what needs to be done, and I think uh, maybe has an idea how to, to, to try to, 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 to hopefully lead the, uh, the, the people along, uh, Biden is someone who actually could get it right. I mean, he's the, he, he understands or his, at least at least he's seen it. Many of the other people, uh, you know, in, 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 in government right now, literally uh, are, 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 are kind of new to the job. I mean, Liz Truss uh, brought up something which I haven't heard for a long time, but I think it's scary to hear someone say trickle down economy. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's what she's brought back. And her idea is that, you know, make the wealthy rich and all the money is going to come back and that's going to make the world a better place. Um, and the worst thing about that is that it was proven a long time ago that that really doesn't work. And so to have that come back as a, as a, as a, as a way to save things uh, is really quite bad. So uh, if, you are, if you're trying to bet against one economy right now, uh, I'd say uh, the British economy is waiting for your short sell. Um, and as for the rest of the world, we do have to come together and do something about this. Oh, the last little thing about, about, uh, about what's happening, waiting in the sidelines is China uh, to take over the world. Uh, they've already laid the groundwork. They've done lots and lots of stuff in terms of the, uh, the, the, the infrastructure, and they own so much of it. Uh, but right now, uh, because of the global crises, they have actually uh, got their banks, all the central banks, um, together, and they are about to defend the yuan because it's been a, it's been it's been in a, in, a, in a free fall versus the U.S. dollar because of everything going into the U.S. dollar. Um, but they're about to, it looks like they're about to defend themselves pretty hard. Uh, and it's just the fact that they said so uh, affected the exchange rate. And that's usually what, uh, you know, central banks used to have to do only. But now they've uh, gone ahead as well and said, okay, we're prepared for this. So 
they're prepared for a currency war. We hope uh, that doesn't break out as well because that's really going to destabilize uh, the rest of the economy even further. Uh, that is hopefully a taste of what the economy is like going on right now. So basically, hang on to your hats, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, so I, I, I want to I just say one thing about, you know, there are a lot of people who are going to be thinking about traditional ideas about, you know, when, 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 when you're in a bear market, things go down, it's time to pick up all the, the so-called, you know, safe stocks and good stocks. Um, this is a, a very different situation. It, it is one where if you, if you look at how the market's been going, you can see that there's been drops. People have been trying to buy the dip, but it's been just pushing back and pushing down and pushing down and pushing down. Um, it really is one of those situations where if we talk about risk and managing risk, it's about waiting to see what happens. You should really sit back and let it settle. Um, because if you go in right now when you think, you know what, I think it's gone long, I think it's gone low enough. Um, no one really knows where low enough is, and that's literally going to be a gamble. It's much better for you to find the bottom and then take the ride up and miss a little bit of the, the lowest prices. Yeah. You could right. dollar right. cost average the whole way down. All right. So moving on to um, the other bits of news, because obviously the economy is important, but um, if if I go into, if, if I pause, we've got the uh, Typhoon Nauru um, hitting Thailand at the moment, and I just had an electrical uh, cut out, so you never know. I might. I'll leave. I'll hand it over to you guys. All right. So some other bits of news. David Malpas, who is the head of the World Bank, and he was also a Trump appointee. It's a political position, a political appointment uh, in the World Bank, and he's been getting all sorts of attention in recent weeks because he will not say that uh, humans are causing uh, climate change due to fossil fuel. Uh, so it's creating a huge ruckus. Uh, it's not sort of seen as something where they should sack him, but the question is, will he resign? So that's that's a big story. Another story that broke in the last couple of weeks was this idea that the scientists want to spray the north and south pole with sulphur dioxide. And i got to tell you, this one left me cold. There's a lot of potential technologies coming up to to solve the crises and you know keeping keeping the poles frozen and is is obviously an important part of it but you know spraying poisons into one of the most beautiful and, and protected nation parts of our earth you know we don't we just don't know what the consequences of that are going to be um from a extreme weather perspective i got caught and i don't often get caught um in a cnn rabbit hole this week and they do a whole series of sort of one and two minute videos and it was just basically yeah, obviously Hurricane Fiona, obviously Tyron, Typhoon Nauru, and most recently Hurricane Ian. Have you guys seen some of the video footage that's coming out around that? Um, but basically, but it was more than that. It was extreme heat. Like the west coast of America is in September is experiencing extreme heat for this time of year. Glacial melt. I mean, there's so much going on. And I watched all of these, and it was just one after the other after the other all around the world. And I'm just sort of thinking, is this enough? Is this enough? Are we going to wake up? Are we, uh, 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 you know, because the climate scientists are saying this is the beginning of climate breakdown. So how bad does it need to get before we act? Because the sooner we act, the, you know, it's going to keep getting bad, but how bad it gets is, is up to us. Um, and then, of course, the other one is in Iran. We're continuing to see the protests after uh, Masha, Masa Amini's death. Um the president has said they're going to be taking decisive actions against the protesters, and we are seeing uh, protesters being killed, but still they rise. So I wish the ladies and the gentlemen strength 
uh, as they go through this period of potential great change or they could obviously be going back into suppression. Tim? Yeah, definitely check out Andrea's Weekend Reads. There's a lot there on all of this and also on Russia and what's going wrong over there. Although, of course, who knows what's going on in Putin's head. But there appears to be a massive shift from ambivalence within Russia toward, towards Ukraine because before it was a case of what's the point, you can't stop Putin. But now that the war's coming home, with especially with the mobilization, um, things could and are being predicted to unravel very quickly. So some of the articles are, there's one uh, article in The Observer from Simon Tisdall, which which talks about, it actually talks about a lot of uh, impacts in areas where things have been going wrong. It's a very, it's very, um, it's a real polemic really against, uh, it's scathing against Putin and what's been going on really. And and so you've got to, if you want to have a sort of balanced that, uh, opinion about it. That one's very to one end, um, mm. but it but it really does sort of point out some of the triggers that are happening and how this sort of how it's stacking, how everything is stacking up to to look at it as. I mean, he used terms like colossal failure and all of this sort of stuff, but it really does show that there's a lot of a lot of things going wrong um, from the the leadership side over there. There's another article where. Um, it's talking about uh, hundreds arrested as the Russian draft protests continue. And so there's a lot of people protesting all around the place. At, at the same time, a lot of people trying to leave Russia. And and some of the protests are, you know, well, some of the things that people are talking about are how, you know, um, disabled people are being drafted uh, or, or called up uh, and people are ineligible, you know, uh, too old are being called up. And so there's sort of an admission, which is a very unusual thing to hear from Russia that, that, you know, there's been some errors in the way that that's happened. Uh, but, but, and that that will be corrected, I think was the rhetoric, but there's the, the protests are really just against, uh, against conscription and the war. And now every, now the protesters are now saying everything's Putin's fault, which is really interesting. And so as those numbers increase, and the the courage of the people increase. We we're going to see some interesting things possibly develop there, and probably some pretty traumatic things starting to develop there. I, I would I would hasten to guess. The um the thing about people also trying to leave to the Georgia border. I uh, said so there's a there's this sort of you know 18, 18 miles or thirty kilometers of cars banked up trying to get across the border, as people are trying to. And as Joe said, you know people working out how to avoid getting sent to a front line that just seems to be one of the protesters are saying we don't want our young to be cannon fodder and so it's it's you know there's this there's an anti-war sentiment in the people i guess now the thing is some of the countries like i think it was the finnish border or one of one of the um, european countries where people were, were trying to come in were talking about closing their borders because they were saying, well, there was no conscientious objectors when Russia was invading Ukraine, but now that they're getting conscripted effectively, um, now they're conscientious objectives, uh, objectors, I'm not so sure. So it seems to be, but actually this is the narrative of the world. Something's happening over there. Our country's implicated or whatever, but it doesn't affect me. That yeah. That seems to be the narrative. And then and then now when it does or has a risk of affecting me, now there's an element of taking action. So when you ask about climate change, what's it going to take? 
it's going to take more of these storms. It's going to take people, loved ones dying. COVID was the same. COVID was like, you know, I remember going to Australia in in March 2020 or April 2020, and there was a conference on, and COVID was getting more and more and more real to the point where uh, I only just got out of Australia before everything closed down. But at the conference, everyone, there was a masquerade party and everyone had masks up here instead of down here, except for me. Um, and it, it was, now you might, you might say, well, why the hell did you go to the conference if you're, you know, so hoity-toity against it all? But uh, yeah, great question. Um, hindsight's a wonderful thing, I suppose, is, is the, is possibly the answer, but I, I still was, was trying to protect as, as much as I can. So it's, it's like, it's not COVID was an example of I'm okay. It's never going to happen to me until people around you start getting it and falling seriously ill. And then it's like, my goodness, this could happen to me. Yeah. And we all got a little bit scared and then we got complacent again so the whole climate thing we could all get scared and start taking action and then it's like oh actually we're having pretty good weather right, let's just not worry about it let's look at the next big shiny thing and then we're yeah. back into that loop again so that's that's the scary part i suppose anyway um the other the other big news of the week of course is a sabotage or potential sabotage of the nord stream pipeline plenty of conversations on who is responsible but we wait and watch um, some people are, are obviously looking at um, uh, Russia as the scapegoat, and this will be an interesting topic as we come to come to scapegoating a little bit later. Uh, but does it make any sense that Russia would do this? There's nothing definitive yet on who is responsible. But one of the articles was there was this one little line in one of the articles which said, "Who stands to profit?" Yeah. And and for me that was that was really telling. Um, it's also a bit of a sign of the, of, of, of the times. Kerry? Well, you've just prompted me to think about the, the little things that make a difference. You know, we start making changes and then go, oh, do we really need to? Um, yes, we do. Uh, but one story that I wanted to share was um, something that will make small differences, and it was in The Guardian uh, in the UK, the, the roof of the bus stops. They're being transformed into bee and butterfly shelters. Um, and they're called buzz stops, which is just gorgeous. Oh. Um, <laughs> I love it. And it's having a cooling effect also, so you're not going to sit there and melt while you're waiting for your bus. Um, but, yeah, there's so many different things happening with bees in different places. And, um, you know, and that's something that's been under threat in Australia too. We have, you know, quite tight biosecurity laws to, you know, keep our agricultural um, industry healthy. And, uh, yeah, these little things make a difference. Um, but a big news story in Australia this week is the Optus data breach. So a hacker who is apparently apologising and is just sending out some weird um, messages and so everyone's, like, having a joke. It's a whole meme um, about sitting down and having a beer with him because it's like, yeah, okay, uh, you didn't mean to. But um, it was, like, 10 million customers or 40% of the population, um, you know, experienced this personal data breach and and my husband got a text saying oh yeah we're sorry you did get um hacked but don't worry they don't have your password for your optus account they just have your driver's license date of birth etc etc so it's like this is a massive problem um you know some experts are saying it could be the worst data breach in australia's history so we don't know what the ramifications are but i've seen the queensland government new south wales government um you know they're just making it super easy to get a new driver's license number. I've had the same one for, you know, it's just a few years since my 17th birthday. <laughs> but um, mm -hmm. so we might be all getting new 
information, <laughs> getting that all sorted. So, so, so amazingly, a record number of Australians are now fleeing Russia. <laughs> um, I don't based know, on, based on the false IDs that they all now have. Sorry, okay, go on. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just wasn't quite following you there, but I just thought yeah. uh, they're fleeing Optus for sure, and suddenly Telstra is looking more appealing. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, but some some other good news as well. I'll share this with Andrea for the weekend reads. The um, the ad that's been made about the Uluru Statement of the Heart. It's just beautiful. There's this um, Indigenous elder sharing this story of how the country collaborated and people came together. And and the kid says like, "Oh, is this a true story?" And he said, "It could be." And I just thought it's so beautiful to inspire people with hope rather than just going you should be getting on board with this it's um you know it's so congruent with yeah. their message and i loved that no so that's just a lot no, you know like oh, India, that. yeah <laughs> yeah and there is, there is so much reason for hope there's so much reason for hope but it's up to yeah. us so yeah. we can we can be we can stop in fear and hopelessness or we can step into action and create the future we want and you know that's where that's where I sit. You know, sometimes I get dragged into the hopelessness bit and I have to pull, pull myself kicking back. But yeah. there's, space, there's so much space for hope. So, Tim? Yeah, there is a door to go through that, that has a, a brighter future, but we have to have the courage to get to it. Oh, just a, yeah. a quick final one. There was a, a brilliant story for the space nerds among us, Live Long and Prosper. Um, we <laughs> a, a successful direct hit. So, you know, all those movies are like um, – Oh, oh. Armageddon. 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 Yeah. Uh, Armageddon, Deep Impact, all these ones where an asteroid's coming towards Earth and they send up a rocket to try and, you know, blow it up or or stop it hitting Earth. Well, basically, NASA's gone, you know what? Um, let's do that. So they found, they found an asteroid uh, happily just going past. It wasn't going to hit Earth. And so they decided they're going to send a, they're going to send a, a a rocket, effectively, um, to the to the asteroid just to hit it, so that it pushes it off its orbit or off its target, anyway. And so that if something was coming directly at Earth, you could just hit it a little bit, and with the, the amount of distance between it and Earth, it would miss Earth. That's kind of the idea. Uh, so it was called the. It's called uh, NASA's Double Asteroid Redirection Test spacecraft or DART for short. I'm pretty sure it, its original name was Fatal Asteroid Redirection Test, but the uh, uh, the acronym <laughs> for that probably wasn't as appealing. Um, <laughs> if, uh, but the, anyway, so uh, I love I love how it was described as, um, it was described by the program scientists, the DART's program scientists as a golf cart traveling at 15,000 miles an hour, smashing into the side of a football stadium. And and then there's uh, in it's if you have a look at Andrea's weekend reads there's a, a link to one of the things which shows the camera of the spacecraft approaching the asteroid, and and it looks like it's having a zoom call with somebody with a potato shaped uh, Ferrero Rocher just pushing it closer to the camera uh, in black and white for some reason anyway and everyone cheering that it's probably hit the thing, so they they now need to measure if it's actually turned anything off its course. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if soon we get some messages from uh, Dimorphos, or that was the the asteroid, or Didymus, meaning the twin. Which strange because there's only one of them. Um, Dimorphos is the two natures type one that was uh, orbiting it. But I wouldn't be surprised if we get a message from them declaring war on us because we've just screwed up their atmosphere, uh, or <laughs> <laughs> or Jupiter is now in a state of panic uh, as this thing is now approaching it instead of us. But 
yeah. So it it's kind of cool. Um, so we've spent bazillions of dollars doing that. Uh, and, and you know, isn't that awesome? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, can, can I just add to that? You know, just back to Australia for a moment, Tim. Um, Malcolm Catchpole shared on LinkedIn this morning. Oh, actually, no, it was two days ago. I just saw it this morning. Um, you know, so the story, the essential role Australia played in NASA's asteroid redirection test um, he said, what I'm hearing is Australia saved the planet. So that's the bottom line. Subtext, <laughs> Australia does cool space stuff and NASA needs us. That's all I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Australia is good like that because when America is facing the other way, they can't see anything. So, yeah, so we're, we're, reason- we're, we're useful. Yeah. 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 Steve said planet wars. That's the last thing we need. We don't need any more wars. Know, All right. well, you, know, you know what it would do? It would change everyone's focus from themselves and and their own nationalism and fascist oh. agenda to looking at something bigger. But that would be yeah, problematic. Well, you'd kind of think COVID would do that and the climate crisis would do that, and that doesn't seem to be working. So what, yeah. what, 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 the, what they're all doing is pushing us into, into our national corners, which is the last thing we do, we need. Yeah. But uh, the article that I've just, I've just shared it um, on so it should go through to the social media links, is the battle for the soul of the West. And, of course, this is after Joe Biden's comment, the battle for the soul of America. And I, I agree with Joe. I think this is a, a time for Biden. I think he is a it, – it's not a political statement. He's just a, a man of wisdom and experience, and we need that. But there's an, an author called Umer, Umer Huck, and I apologise to him if I'm saying his surname incorrectly, and he's one of the Thinkers 50s. So the Thinkers 50 is – the top 50 sort of thinkers in the world um, across multiple, multiple topics. And he writes amazing content. Any time he pops up, I'm having a look. And the last few articles he's written are about the rise of fascism in Europe. And he's, you know, he basically sort of said, the fact that I'm writing this frightens the hell out of me, um, you know, that the rise of fascism, and we don't need all countries to become fascist states for it to be concerned in World War II. We had, you know, Germany and uh, Italy. I think we also had Spain and Portugal, right? Um, but um, but basically fascism is now ascendant. We saw it in Italy. Uh, we, the second largest party in Sweden is uh, has ties to neo-Nazism. And the issue around these parties is they are nationalistic, uh, anti-immigrant, anti-LGBTQ, anti-women, Eventually, you know, when the other scapegoats don't work. But the problem with scapegoating is eventually countries work out that um, it's not the minority. Pro- the minority aren't causing the grief. There's a there's a bigger problem. So basically the article is saying the, the Europe should have been looking to it, the UK and America for the last decade who have been following this policy and they're obviously still failing. So it's a, it's, it's a massive concern that this is happening right now because right now the world needs to come together and what we're seeing is it splintering apart into these fascist movements. So, guys, thoughts as you were reading it? Have you come across Umer before? I have. I, 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 I can't help but I can't help but think. Well, you mentioned something about you. You, you said you know, COVID and and um, climate change should should have galvanized the world in some sort of sense of togetherness and and centralized purpose. Um, I, I still think climate change has a uh, opportunity to do that, but look what happened when, when, when COVID was first announced in all these places, and and the toilet paper fiasco. Okay, yeah. so so that that's like a minor minor thing, and then everybody quickly goes and grabs for themselves. So this is grabbing for themselves now on a national level. 
This is an element of let's protect ourselves. Let's not let people in. Let's it's it's all their fault. The stuff that's going wrong is somebody else's fault. So there's a lot of deflection. So it's interesting. We just talked about asteroids. Um, it, there's a lot of deflection now happening. Uh, I mean, deflection's been happening at a political level for ages. But but I think um, the the cause of this. What what's really interesting about this is that 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 it's being labeled as outright fascism, which which there's been a lot of you know political whitewashing, I suppose, of what things are called. Like parties are saying they're they're ex neo Nazi, which means yeah, we used to be neo Nazi, but we're better now. Yeah, you know we're 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 better than that um, a little bit. So just for those people who are going, hang on, what's fascism against? It's a way of organizing society in which a government is ruled by a dictator um, and that government controls the lives of the people and in which people aren't allowed to disagree with the government. Uh, and it's a, it's a bit worse than that because it controls every aspect of everything. You, people are a pawn to do its agenda effectively. And and that that. You know, there might be that agenda is going to be sold as the solution to all the current problems, and to 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 sell it as that, which is what Huck is talking about, to sell it like that, to say it's the solution to the problems. You then have to define the problem as being external to us at the beginning, and so yeah. it's it's always immigrants' problems and da 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 da, and when that sort of runs its once it's race a little bit and people go, well, hang on a minute, it's not really the immigrants' problems, is it? Because didn't Boris, Boris Johnson, didn't you go to hospital with COVID and it was the immigrants that saved your life? So maybe it's not the immigrants' problems after all. And then it's like, yeah, you're right. It's, and then it's find people within, so long as you've got somebody to hate, it drives, it takes that passion and energy and hatred into activity. So if we could, if we could somehow harness hatred for bad weather maybe we could actually maybe we actually put this to some good use but at the moment it's being used as hatred to people not like us and it's and in a increasingly and this is the thing in an increasingly homogenized world or a diversity um a, a diverse world it just takes a couple of people to say well is it this person's fault and sort of the seed that I mean, we even kind of said, you know, was the pipelines, was it Russia's fault? We kind of did that even today. But we were sort of thinking, I mean, there's a war going on. It seems to be maybe something or somebody's standing to profit by that not being up again later or something. So, you know, we're just whose fault is it? And we are creatures of whose fault is it? So I, I don't know. I found it a fascinating article. What do you guys I just think? wanted to, yeah, he's really good. I just wanted to add to what you just said about defining fascism because I thought that was that's a really important thing. And he said the correct way to see national fascism, which he's hyphenated, is a kind of death spiral. This death spiral goes like this: this nations begin to have problems, usually economic stagnation, high levels of personal debt, and people's lives begin to feel precarious, desperate, and broken as living standards decline. So yep. that's what we're seeing, right? And yep. that's not going to change while we're in this situation from an economic standpoint, uh, from from drought, which is obviously an and war, which is causing inflation. And you know, we can go this path, or we can say, wait a minute, look at the collective issues and challenges that we face, and say, now we need to go to come together and go down this path 
and manage how, how, how we approach this coming decade because it is a decade of, of challenge that we're facing. So anyway, so over to Joel Kerry. Well, I was thinking about how a situation like this comes about when there's only when there's bad news, right? If you you you, you really it's hard to rise. I think fascism cannot rise when everything is going right. That's the yeah. the whole point of it. Uh, and and there's a very funny thing about about. <laughs> I think the world's problems can be the same, as in, like, we can have the same asteroid heading towards us, and we can have a fascist response or a or a more constructive uh, response. Yeah. Um, but and and I I do think that there is this there is this and, and again uh, uh, this is the this is why I'm I'm always torn out of parties earlier, right? It's, I, I I do see <laughs> I do see the upside of fascism as in, in the sense that it's a really quick way to get people together on the same idea. You know, it, it's a lot it's a lot less time to spend on convincing because it actually it actually uh, triggers off some very natural uh, base instincts that we have in ourselves. Uh, so in, in that way, it's a very quick way to, 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 to get things going. As I'm like, I, I think, for instance, uh, if the Republican Party, and, and with, with due respect to anybody who's uh, you know, inclined that way, oh. said, uh, we were to say, you know what, we really, really think there's a problem with the, with the, with the climate. Um, I think they do more faster for it than the Democrats have been able to do. It's it's just, and I'm not calling them fascist necessarily. I'm saying that there is something about that fear of others that drives you to action to protect yourself mm. a bit more, you know? Mm. You know, when you were saying fascism can only emerge when things are going wrong, it made me, for some reason, immediately think of Superman. So Superman, and, and weirdly enough, fascism portrays the leader as some sort of Superman um, that can mm. solve everything. Only I can solve this problem. You know, oh, only Bolsonaro, they're, you know, they're, yeah. they're comparing him to God. <laughs> I mean, it's, like, it's Superman. Yeah, Trumpism Superman, is like that, right? Superman only gets his kid off when something's gone wrong. Yeah. You know, and then he flies around and saves the world. Anyway. Uh, it's not quite like Superman because he seems to be reasonably benevolent. Um, all right. So, yeah, Kerry, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I was waiting for you to speak, so I was wondering why you suddenly started laughing when Joe was being so serious. Um, but, Joe, you talked about those basic instincts, you know, to to shut down, to just be all about you and your, pe your people, and, uh, you know, it's that fear of the stranger. And, like, it takes personal work to open up to collaboration, to... How can we hear differing opinions? So, um, yeah, I I hear you. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, there was a there was a bit in the article that I really liked where because articles like this and commentary about you know here's the problem, here's this, and here's that is the problem, the problem, the problem, the problem. So the whole thing about scapegoatism is the problem is there, the problem is there, and when it doesn't work, it actually shows that that's not the problem. So what is the problem? And Huck says. Um, uh, here's the point. None of this is the cause of Europe's real woes. It's, you know, is our immigrants responsible for European living standards stagnating? Of course not. The reason for that is what's true across the West. Living standards are flatlining like a feeble heartbeat because of underinvestment. The EU yeah. itself foolishly caused this problem with its stability and growth pact, which places severe restrictions on how much nations can really invest, which to me doesn't make any sense. 
Um, it went into force in the early 2000s, which is precisely when European living standards started to flatline and personal debt levels began to skyrocket. Not a coincidence, a relationship. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's so true. So when I was in Europe, especially in the UK, I was hearing people saying, well, to the immigrants, the immigrants, the immigrants. And I'm like, you, you do understand they're not the problem, right? No, 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 they are the problem. I'm like, no, they're not the problem. The problem is the infrastructure that you've got in place. It can't. It, it, it's not coping with it. And, you know, like, you know, we I think we were talking about it last week or the, two weeks ago. You know, the UK hasn't invested in its water infrastructure for 30 years. So well, well, that's not anyone else's problem. That's governments not investing in something for the last 30 years. And yep. But but the governments, are, they're, they're so good at it. But what I find disturbing is how people get sucked into this message, consistently get sucked into this message. And, you know, and the other thing that was really coming through is, the belief by this author that America is coming through its decade, and obviously we're going to see that in the in the November, what do you call that, uh, half term elections, Mid-terms, and it yeah. looks good. It looks good for the Democrats, right? And that's mainly because the Republicans went after women's right to have an abortion, so women are voting in bigger numbers than ever before. But but people believe it. That's what I'm always. You know, I, like you know, I was one of the things I was talking about in the book. All these people, there's rage. You, you watch these videos; there's rage on people's faces towards a minority. And after it's over, whether violence is committed in in physical violence or verbal violence, do you feel any better? Is your life better? You know, well, they, did it, they did feel it like, change anything? They feel like they're taking some action, but the 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 thing to me from a sociological perspective when you look at it is they're raging and they're angry because and and there's only one reason. It's not because of a big systemic anything else. It's because their life, their personal experience is being adversely impacted. Their dream is unattainable. The dream that they've been sold, they can't have it. And yeah. so they've been sold something that they can't have and now they're angry. And and they can't have it because the opportunities aren't being given or the education's not there or something's being shut down or the jobs are going away or whatever it is, is, is happening. And all of these things are, are just foundational economical, you know, it's the bedrock. And when you mine away at the bedrock, it eventually collapses and people get angry, but they're getting angry at the wrong people because the, yeah. because the people who are controlling the narrative, which is usually the media side, are giving them a false narrative. And when you get a false narrative, you make a false conclusion, you get a false conclusion, you get false action. Yeah. Yeah. Carrie, so, were you going to say uh, something? Well, you know, I'm just hearing it's it's really in every country. Someone mentioned, you know, Boris Johnson being sick and being looked after by migrant nurses. Uh, people move to another country, whether it's Australia or America or um, the UK, and they're so instrumental in building. They build so much of the community, but then when it's not convenient and you're looking for a scapegoat, then it's just like blame the stranger um, rather than how can we learn from each other, how can we collaborate? And uh, it really takes listening to each other and listening to those different perspectives. Yeah, and, and it's critical. So uh, where does this end? Well, it doesn't end well. We are now in a, what you might call the cresting phase of a fascist super cycle. It's rising across the West and much of the globe. Uh, But if America's very, very lucky, um, he calls um, Joe Biden's alter ego Dark Brandon. Have you guys heard that before? Um, I hadn't. 
potentially America could actually sort of step into the leadership of the world again uh, because they've gone through this terrible decade of um, sort of going all over the place. So I suppose we wait and see. But, you know, when we look at the future, if we're going to make it enlightenment versus fascism, wisdom versus ignorance, truth versus lies, Demogurgery, how do you say that, versus democracy. Uh, Trump's in every nation, masses screeching in rage, hypnotised by big lies. You know, so basically this is an opportunity for the West to rise again and remember what it was. So by Europe getting caught up in fascism, the bigger threat is, of course, it's, it's, it's putting into question what the EU was always supposed to be about. Even Eurovision was part of not returning Europe to fascism. So it's a, we've got a big fight ahead and it's, um, I, I don't know, it's, it's a frightening. If we go down this path, we're going to go into it. You know, the last time we did, went down this path, there was mass destruction all over the globe, you know, cities reduced to rubble. That's where we are on the journey towards that. So kind of concerning, you know. Joe, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I know you got something to add. Well, the 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 challenge is always going to be about you know um, a, a story that guides people out of the forest. You know, you need you need to have a narrative that that does that. Um, and over it it, it it just happens right now that we have very clear labels for everything. And I think the problem we have right now is too many labels. As in, like you know, uh, the, the, there is no way. I mean, for instance. Uh, and just go with me for a while with this. Uh, there's no way a fascist can do a good thing, right? Uh, but what if you could? You know, what? What? It, it's just that it, some sometimes there's some people who maybe have the way out of the forest, and 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 just that the story that they have comes along with the wrong label, and so people can't follow. So you know, mm-hmm. one of the things that 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 I've been I've been very fascinated by uh, these uh, American celebrity couples where they are diametrically opposed politically, but they're a couple. And that that ability of them to 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 have those differences and discussions, and yet at the same time to 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 go towards the the, the greater objective, which is to have a good family, to look uh, you know to protect the future together, that sort of thing. I think that that's something which uh, which which I think we need to try and figure out. We need to be able to be okay with other people being somebody else, and I think you know. We we have too much of a situation where um, uh, we we don't want to be in the same room with this other person in this particular way. We we want to keep our identity versus that person. So I I I mean I I I I I think we we do a lot of uh, signaling. We make sure that people know exactly who we are and who we're not, and uh, to the exclusion sometimes of uh, good ideas. Um, because we're not being told those things in the in the terms that we we, we kind of been, want to see them, you know, we we, we don't want to talk someone to, to someone uh, who is the, the 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 wrong kind of person to be speaking to. I mean, for for instance, I mean, in, in, on the on on a on a, on, a, on a good day, let's say the person who has the brilliant idea who's going to help us get out of all this, right, is R. Kelly. Uh, we'd have trouble taking his advice, 
we'd have trouble saying that he did a good thing or he had something useful to say. We just we just wouldn't be able to do that. And that's something that we, we really had to start thinking about. Uh, the person who's had the wrong idea before doesn't have the wrong idea always, sometimes. Right? Yeah, I, I appreciate what you're saying. There's a, a piece in the Washington Post and it's called Forget Polarization, The Problem is White right-wing extremism and 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 what what this article is really emphasizing is the language that we use and especially the media they present balanced opinions from both sides right um could a fascist have a good idea is basically what you're saying right uh yes of course (laughs) um but fascism in its historical context and how it's played out is not a good idea for the time that we're facing right now because uh what what we need now is leaders that can and have the ability to bring all of the different parties together because if we don't come together to overcome the challenges then we have no we have no hope of overcoming the challenges that we face so yeah. um it's not yeah I, I i hear what you're saying but i yeah i'm not it's about, it's all the likability yeah. factor right so what what we do is we have a dislike for 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 people across let's say across the aisle um and this thing about how you express that dislike or how there's exclusion and that that does come across and that actually makes a difference because I think like if I I've, I've always been thinking about the the, the Chinese situation uh, Chinese that's in China right I I don't think China set out to be this big hulking ape that wanted to just take over everything I think China wanted to be at the table have have a seat at the table and 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 have its part and be recognized and be respected. Um, but I, I think too much time passed where, for instance, China wasn't seen that way. It was always about, yeah. you know, if it was a Western idea, it was great. And then if it was China, it was China trying to, exert, uh, uh, you know, assert its dominance or, or what have you. Um, to the point where you get to, a po- to, 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 uh, to the time when you get to a point where uh, you go like, you know what? Screw you. I'm just going to do it myself now. And, and I can do it. You know, I can, I can do it nicely in, 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 in high society. Or if, if you don't want to accept me in this, then what I'm going to do is just going to do it myself. And if you find someone that is capable enough and powerful enough and loud enough, I mean, we have that even now in our social situations, they're going to go ahead and do it. And they're going to do everything they want to do without having to worry about you because you didn't want to play in the first place. Yeah. So there, there is that kind of polarization that we take into the into the arguments which is why for me it's about the, this idea about being able to take uh ideas and that conversation and, and it's not that anybody is uh immune to this but we're, we're all innately designed that way it's very easy to get into someone's head you're just gonna go like oh that's really nice you yeah, i love what you're wearing you're you're so handsome and i love what you're doing it's like oh yeah oh yes what do you have to say you know and we yeah. if, <laughs> It's it's the kind of thing that I think we we've come to a place in 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 society now where we want to be as different as possible. The the the, the we 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 work so hard at being unique and we want to have our own space. I mean this this whole idea, for instance, of pronouns and and, and all that kind of stuff, right? Just it's just a, it's just a symptom of it, right? It's like, no, I am not this. I am this, and you call me this. I don't want to be upset for not calling you this. And it's like, why does it matter? Why does it matter? You know, and I know there's an answer to that, but it shouldn't matter as much if we said if we agreed that we are all citizens of the world with worldly problems. Why can't we solve this as citizens of the world? There's a there's a lovely spectrum. Well, uh, uh, and it goes from 
significance through to connection. There's connection at one end, there's significance at the other. And we're, we're supposed to be somewhere in the middle because when we're completely down the connection end, we can be lost. Our uniqueness is lost. We're just, we're just one of many. We are lost in those many. Uh, but if we're, so we would, so as a result, we seek some sort of significant, we want to stand out from the crowd. The crowd is that connection to stand out from the crowd is that sort of significance. But, but with social media and, and our ability to be seen and Western thinking being very much, especially American thinking, not, not always Western thinking, because as we saw in the article, yeah. um, Huck talks about Europe being very much a connected society and yeah. that being really important for its identity, whereas America is a very individualistic, I can be by myself forever society, so long as I'm just, you know, working, buying, consuming, going up the ladder. And so yeah. I, I, and I really appreciate that distinction between Europe and America. That's a really interesting one because when we just bundle everyone into the bucket of the West, it doesn't really help. It doesn't help. So yeah. the, so, but that, and America's, uh, you go to places in America, they're super connected in community and, and, and together, you know, the, all the small towns, they've got that togetherness and that community. So it's not all of America either, to be fair, but it can be, you know, if you're stuck in New York, you can't, you, you got to fight for yourself because nobody cares. You know, you got to, you got to, if we watch in the movies, everybody steals your taxi, and um, and you know the soup Nazis throw you out of their shop. So you you just got to take care of yourself. But the <laughs> but the but the I guess if if that individualism is getting into the psyche, we're way down that that end of pursuing significance at the cost of connection, and it's that cost of connection that gives uh, well that pursuit of significance that gives rise to. The fascist, uh, the fascist, the fascist ideology, and makes it very, very easy to buy into because it's about me, 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 me. Yeah, and I think Possibly. the I think the I think the ultimate message is if you have a government that is dividing you and that is saying to you that somebody is responsible for all your problems and they're a minority group, you just have to say, wait a minute, <laughs> that's not mm. what's going on here. Uh, we've got a problem, and uh, we've got a that's big bullying. problem. Yeah, exactly. And it's not it's not the people who uh, are least able to fight for themselves. It's not the LGBTQ. It's not the immigrants. It's not women. <laughs> you know, it's it's the systems that we've set up. You know, uh, we've had David and um, Richard Busolato on before. And oh, yeah, they've written this book called The Unsustainable Truth. And I've just finally been really starting to get stuck into it. Joe, you'd love this book. What it gives you is the entire history of the world's economy for basically for the last hundred years and mm. why we're in this spot. And if we could all understand that, I actually think that that would help us. But it's not it's not the guy that's running for his life from Guatemala. You know, it's yep. it's it's not the people escaping the floods in Bangladesh. It's not the people drowning in the hundreds, thousands on the boats in Europe. It's not their So fault. who is it? It's uh, it's the governments that we've set up. It's the businesses. It's you know the pensions that they were talking about. They nearly they nearly basically um, wiped out the entire UK pension fund. Mm. You know, uh, but when you look at pensions and and how, especially reading Dave and Richard's book, understanding how pensions have been built and built and built. You know, there's a there was a story in Spain where a UNESCO World Heritage uh, space uh, sorry, uh, marshland has been drained to uh, basically to grow strawberries. And now it's completely 
are drained and destroyed. And this is completely human, you know, involvement. And it's that sort of stuff, you know, because nature is required to deliver a profit so that these pensions keep earning more and more money. But nature isn't something that can keep growing. It has a finite limit. And that's, you know, the fundamental fundamental message um, of, of the book and the economy. So I recommend this book to you guys. You'll love it. But um, let's finish up because yeah. we are almost right on time, which is amazing. Yep. Are you impressed? I Well, I could be. <laughs> let's see what happens in the next 10 seconds. All right. What is <laughs> What is keeping you distracted right now? Carrie. No, not Carrie is not keeping me distracted. I was just asking what's keeping Carrie distracted. <laughs> I didn't realise you were asking this question. Um, but what I'm trying to spend more time in, on at the moment is journaling and swimming and um, just get me in water, which is where I'm going next. Um, nice. But, yeah, I'm actually minimising distraction and just being in nature as much as I can. Nice. Wonderful. Joe. Well, I've been distracted with my health the past week. Um, I checked into the hospital on Monday to uh, wait for a barrage of tests, which included MRI and a spinal tap, um, yes. and, and realized that uh, it is the slowest thing in the world where they make a little bit of a hole in your spine and they wait for drops to come out one at a time, and they spend a lot of time counting the drops just to fill it up. Uh, but Eleven, yeah, basically, man. Eleven. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 in the process of trying to figure out why it is I have this little glitch uh, in my vision, which makes reading difficult. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of a it's one of those things where I've 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 uh, had to think about um, my big plan as I go forward and what happens if I do this, and I realize that I have a terrible disease, which is. I am an opportunist at every level. So even as I am look, I'm hearing about the health challenges that I've got, I've been thinking about how do I turn this into marketing? <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. As, as for me, I've been in India and um, uh, last weekend anyway, and I was speaking at a conference, helping people improve their professional speaking, which is which is really fun. But other than that, I've just been trying to get some sleep. I've been going to bed early, trying to get some sleep. I think that possibly is procrastinating from actually writing the assignment I'm supposed to have written by Monday. Uh, so so I that's what's going to keep me um, uh, distracted this entire weekend is writing that. Yeah. Andrea? Yeah, I um, watched the new uh, Oprah uh, documentary, I suppose, on Sydney, Sydney Poitier, and it's on Netflix, and I absolutely recommend it. Magnificent human being, very inspirational, very different, you know, like just he, he, he grew up in the Bahamas, so his sense of identity as a black man when he turned up in America was very, very different, and he never really lost it. And, he, you know, he um, he changed the world, Grace. you know, he's. Yeah, so much grace, so much dignity, you know, beautiful man. And so if you want to watch something that sort of makes your heart beat with goodness, that I, I would recommend that. So there you go. His his big moment was Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, wasn't it? Was that? Well, he did, like, he did so many, so many. I mean, he did so things. many, but that was I a huge. What, I think what happened was he, he that was the big role, but he actually, I mean, he earned his way to becoming the star sure. that you'd automatically think of for a show like that. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. But he also, but I didn't realise he um, produced – and directed a lot. So, um, yeah, Stir Crazy. Remember Richard? Oh, yeah. uh, Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor. Gene Wilder. That's yeah. Gene Wilder. Yep. Yeah, he he was um he was great at comedic stuff, which I was really surprised yeah. to hear. 
So, yeah, definitely watch it. Um, Oprah was obviously a huge fan. And, uh, yeah. yeah, no, he's an important man that changed the world. So if you want to look for some some inspiration of going out there and being a voice in the world, and, you know, we all need to be that voice in the world now. We need to give each yeah. other hope. We need to, like you said, Joe, we need to sort of paint the story of the future, yeah. you know, for each other so that we can we can head towards that rather than be dragged towards the dystopia that seems to be running towards us at a very, very fast speed. So there you go. The no show. We did it. Three minutes <laughs> over. <laughs> Nicely done, everyone. Thank Good you. job, Tim. Yeah, and thanks for guess. joining us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Well, we're going to have a bit of a break. It's um, school holidays, so I'm having my Australian family reunion. Um, but we'll be back on the 28th of October. So I've been having a little break so Tim can get on and get his homework done. i got and, seven uh, to do, seven assignments. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we've, got, we've got a family to meet up with. Yeah. Joe's right. got to get that. Joe will just discover that it's just a giant uh, eye, eyebrow hair coming down, sitting in front of his eye. But he had to I have a spinal so. tap to work that out. Yeah. No, okay. I hope it's Sorry. just the giant hair, darling. I hope it's the giant hair. <laughs> All right. We'll see, see you guys Carrie. soon. All right. See you Enjoy great day, everyone. Bye. Well. The notion they talk about the week. No show. What's happening in our streets? No show. They'll help you understand all the latest issues going on in the land. Making sense of what's going on about the latest news affecting everyone. No show. They talk about the week. No show. What's happening in our streets? No show. No show.